Hiring? With Indeed, your search is over. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash match. Just go to Indeed.com slash match right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash match. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by Symbol. Guys, we have a brand new sponsor that you guys are going to love. Symbol is the stock market for sports that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. On Symbol, you can trade sports teams like stocks, and every time your teams win, you can earn cash. Use your sports knowledge on Symbol to buy low, sell high, and earn cash payouts when your teams win. Join the nearly 7,000-plus early adopters who have started to invest in their favorite teams. Visit www.symbol.com to create a free account. And when you deposit, make sure you use the promo code SD, as in sports drink, to make your deposit risk-free. Again, that's www.symbull.com and use the promo code SD and your deposit will be risk-free. That means even if you lose money, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. Join Symbol and start investing and profiting from your favorite teams. <laughs> this episode is also brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, the Spotify Green Room is a live, audio-only sports talk platform. Talk to me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time. Get in on the conversation that you listen to here every single day and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast like this one. Download the Spotify Green Room app free in the iOS App Store. Create a profile, link your Twitter, and join my group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E. It's, uh, I don't know why they didn't let me use D period, but they didn't. So follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live every Wednesday, 7 o'clock Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. And join me when we go live every Wednesday night at Club 34-7. What's up, guys? It's late Monday night. Just got done watching uh, Monday Night Football and uh, watching the Geno Smith-Jameis Winston battle take place uh, for a rousing 13-10 to score, which was uh, won by our uh, former reserve kicker, Brian Johnson, kicking the game winner with about a buck 50 to go in the game. Uh, I don't know why I'm mentioning that. I just am. Uh, I was hoping that I would get the show done uh, earlier in the day since I'm on vacation. I don't have to wait to get done with work and everything. But when you're on vacation, you just want to relax. Time gets away from you. And the next thing you know, you're starting the show at five minutes to 11. So here we are. Uh, we all know what a disaster this game was. Uh, so we'll go through it. We'll get through it as quickly as we possibly can, get as much information into it uh, as possible, and then close the book on this disaster and get ready for Bears 49ers week number eight. So sound good? All right, so let's go ahead and get to it. This is the Deep Dive Week 7 review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. So let's get to it. I'm a person who believes in karma, so I won't talk about the ways 
that yesterday's loss to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could have gotten worse because then you never know those ways might rear their ugly head against the 49ers next Sunday. So I'd rather just talk about how bad it was and who's to blame for it, in my personal opinion, and then move on and we can get ready for the 49ers in week number eight. What's going on, everybody? Larry D. back, the week seven review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Our beloved made quite a mockery of themselves yesterday, and um, I was listening to the Hogan Johns uh, reaction podcast last night before I went to bed, and they were talking about uh, Adam Hogue, I believe, was the one that believed yesterday's loss to the Buccaneers wasn't as bad as the Cleveland loss, and I declare that it was I declare that it was worse. Uh, he, he thinks that the Cleveland was the worst loss. I say by far, by far, yesterday's game was because it was apparent from the outset that we had no business on the field. I mean, never mind the fact that this was an outcome we expected as far as the Buccaneers beating the Bears. It was the most likely outcome because of the way they've played in the first six games of the season versus how the Bears have inconsistently looked in their six games up to this point. But, um, you know, there was always the possibility of it being uh, a blowout, but I thought it would be like the Cleveland game in the regard that we would be able to keep it close. Like our offense, which did yesterday, would frustrate the hell out of us because they wouldn't be able to generate the points and take advantage of certain situations, but our defense would manage to keep us in the game, uh, and then maybe late in the fourth quarter, the dam would break, and, and, and there would be the, the deficit that would be too large for us to uh, overcome. Instead, the floodgates opened literally right away, and before you had a chance to, to blink or, or before your, your, your beer had a chance to get warm, it was 21 to nothing, and we were on, off to the races. So, uh, yeah, with, with Cleveland, there was some there was – regardless of how pathetic we looked on offense, there was some competitiveness going on. The defense did keep us in the game. As like I, I re- reiterated yesterday in the Bear Bear Down show that – regardless you know like yeah we gave up nine sacks in that game and what overshadowed that was the five sack performance that our defense had we beat up one of the best offensive lines in the nfl we beat up baker mayfield we held nick chubb and um kareem hunt in check until later on in the football game when the volume of plays kind of just overtook uh, the defense, you know, the with our offense going three and out, uh, you know, on literally every drive, the, the defense was back on the field. Sometimes less than 30 seconds of game time, they're back out on the field uh, again, uh, dealing with um, with this Cleveland pass rush that Nagy and company were doing absolutely nothing to uh, account for. So, um, you know, it was it was a bad look. We didn't look good at all. And statistically, it was way worse than the Tampa Bay game with 47 yards of total offense, one net passing yard and all that kind of stuff. But from a game standpoint, looking at the game itself, it was far worse in the the loss to Tampa Bay than it was to Cleveland, because despite all of that embarrassingness with the with the, the sacks and our incompetence on offense, the defense held us in it. We went to the fourth quarter down 13 to 6. We still had a shot. Okay? And aside from the Bears winning the toss, nothing went right for us 
from the jump. We go three and out on the opening drive. Second play of the game, Justin Fields gets sacked, and that we punt to uh, the Buccaneers, who nearly run it back for a touchdown on the on the opening on the punt return, and then score what two, three plays later. Uh, you know, it's like maybe there's two minutes taken off the clock. The Bucks are up seven nothing. Uh, already and with the way our offense has been playing a seven point deficit might as well be 70 points uh these days so it's just uh it was ugly and then we had a you know Latavius Simmons uh in at right tackle out of nowhere uh and and everything because the Bears are in the midst of this COVID thing which of course which of course has now wrangled in Matt Nagy who tested positive uh this morning so who knows what that means uh for this coming Sunday I mean wouldn't it be something if Nagy can't coach this week, and then we go out and we whoop the 49ers because uh, Chris Tabor or Mike Pettin or whatever lead the Bears to a super impressive victory over the 49ers. Wouldn't that just be something? Those I'm not a a bitter someone who's you know like yeah Nagy's got COVID or, or anything like that. It's the last thing uh, I'm feeling uh, right now. I don't think he deserves it or, or anything uh, silly. Uh, like that, but it does open the door to something interesting if he is unable to come back and coach this weekend. I mean, what if that does happen? What if we go out and we beat the 49ers uh, on Sunday and we beat them convincingly and, um, you know, without him in the building helping, you know, and everything? I mean, he'll, he'll still probably like zoom in uh, on the meetings and, and all that kind of stuff, I'm sure. But uh, without being there to have direct contact and, and all that kind of stuff, he can't be on the field coaching uh, and everything. Who knows what kind of impact that could have? I mean, if we come out looking like a competent NFL football team the one week that Matt Nagy isn't there, our bye week is in two weeks, guys. There might be some uh, interesting decisions coming along. I mean, those decisions might be coming anyway. But, uh, you know, if we go out there and look like an impressive football team, because despite the way we've playing, we've got some, we've got some talent on this team, guys. We have some talent. You know, we got one of the premier pass rushers in the NFL and Khalil Mack. We have an awesome bookend in uh, Robert Quinn, who's playing up to his contract now. We got Eddie Goldman. Uh, we got Akeem Hicks when he's back and healthy. We got one of the best young linebackers uh, in football and one of the best young corners in Roquan Smith and Jalen Johnson. Not to mention, you know, a speedster like Darnell Mooney. We got a loaded backfield all of a sudden where the running game was such a concern for the last couple of years. We got Monty, we got uh, Herbert, we got Williams, and God forbid one of these days somewhere in the not-too-distant future, I hope Tariq Cohen is going to be coming back. And, yeah, let's not forget about Allen Robinson and Jimmy Graham and <sighs> – Cole Komet and you know and, and the other guys that we've signed that are doing nothing like Demir Bird and, and Marquise Goodwin and, and for whatever reason we cut Rodney Adams so that we could keep uh, so that we could uh, sign Brashad Perriman who has not been active for a single snap uh, of the entire season but uh, you know oh yeah and we have Justin Fields who's one of the best up and coming young quarterback prospects the NFL has seen in quite some time so there's a lot to work with here. So, I mean, in, in the past, it was a uh, situation where a lot of coaches probably would have turned away with it, turned away from it. But I think this would actually be one of the more interesting jobs in the league to get, especially with Justin Fields being the calling card uh, going forward. So if, uh, if we look impressive or if we play well or, in, in other words, dominate the uh, 49ers on Sunday and Nagy isn't there to be a part of it, things could get interesting in Hallis Hall. So... 
Anyway, guys, let's get into this game. We'll start with the first quarter knee-jerk reaction, and you'll notice my attitude pretty much from the beginning is that, uh, well, this is how this is going to go. So <laughs> you listen to the first quarter knee-jerk reaction. I'm already talking about San Francisco. That's how bad the first quarter was, and it didn't get any better from there. <laughs> knee-jerk reaction. First quarter, Bears and Buccaneers and... I thought this might be a game where it was kind of like the Cleveland Browns game where the the defense was able to keep things tight until maybe the fourth quarter when, uh, you know, like our offense wouldn't be very efficient and kind of the dam would break in the fourth quarter and that's where the larger point margin margin would be. Well, uh, right now the Buccaneers are on pace for an 84 to nothing victory because they rattled off 21 points in the first quarter, due greatly in part to two turnovers from Justin Fields, uh, neither of which is really his fault. Uh, the first one was an interception. It was kind of a, a jailbreak uh, kind of play. He broke out because the offensive line can't protect him at all uh, so far uh, in the game. He gets out of the pocket. He's rolling to his right. He throws a pass downfield to Allen Robinson, who falls down and leaves it uh, wide open for the defender to pick it off and, and bring it back. A few plays later, uh, the Buccaneers are up 14 to nothing because they put little to no effort in the first few plays to score their first touchdown of the day. And then on the last Bears drive, uh, Fields back to throw. Walls are closing in. As he's throwing, his arm gets hit, becomes a fumble. A few plays later, Buckets uh, put it in the end zone again on a Mike Evans uh, touchdown. So everything that could go wrong is going wrong. We're down 21 to nothing already. And um, we can't protect fields. Our only bright spot is running the ball, but we're playing against the number one rush defense in the NFL. So the success will be limited there. Even if we have our good points here and there, we're down 21 to nothing, which means we pretty much already have to abandon the run to get ourselves back into this game, which is just going to leave Fields in the back to get killed by the Buccaneers pass rush. So, uh, yeah, so this one is pretty much already over. And I uh, just want to fast forward to the end of this one so we can start getting ready to find out how we're going to get killed by the 49ers next week. Funny thing is, after last night's Sunday night game, uh, I think we. I think it's it's kind of uh, I mean it number 1 the 49ers have just as tenacious a pass rush so that I'm not looking forward to but as far as uh team versus team the bears have a good shot at uh winning this game it's a home game it's a 12 o'clock start for us which is a 10 a.m. start for the 49ers uh the NFL doesn't do those west coast teams any favors on these uh midwest/east coast uh road trips where they have them playing at noon uh, on the uh, on Sundays uh, and whatnot, but um, you know, nonetheless, we could probably use some of those things to our advantage. And I'm hoping that this team also wants to answer for their performance against the uh, Buccaneers, much much like in the way they 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 answered for their performance against the Browns by beating up on the Lions uh, the following week. And never mind the fact that it was the Lions and they haven't won a game yet and and all that kind of stuff. You still got to show up and play the games, and we showed up and we beat the. the the Lions. We were at home coming off a bad road loss, so it's pretty much the same thing all over again, and uh, they've got quarterback issues with Garoppolo and everything. They're basically us. They can run the football. 
not much to look look forward to in the passing game, especially with with George Kittle out. We'll keep an eye on whether or not he'll be available this Sunday. But without him, they don't really have a viable passing uh, attack. They can run the ball fairly well, but they're banged up at the running back position. They have a quarterback that they don't necessarily trust, and I don't know where Trey Lance is because I think he was. I think he might be banged up like an ankle sprain or something like that. We'll look forward to it when I dive into the 49ers this week. But, um, you know, and they have a good defense that keeps them in ball games. But every now and then, the defense can't do it all for you. And then last night, Carson Wentz and the Colts put up 30 on them at home uh, and beat them on national TV. So this is a game that we can win. But we'll get into that. Uh, we're going to have uh, Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals podcast on the show on Thursday uh, to talk about that and the prospect of what this game could look like on Sunday uh, in Chicago. But, you know, it turns out, just to kind of uh, take a left turn here, the interception from Fields. Number one, not a great throw from Justin, but turns out he thought it was Another free play. Same situation last week with the Packers where he, I mean, well, that was a legit blown call. But this was more like the, this was was more on the coaches because they were in his headset telling him there are 12 guys on the field, snapped the ball. There are 12 guys on the field, snapped the ball. So he rushes everybody to the line. They snapped the ball. Of course, the pocket breaks, so he's got to roll out. He's looking downfield. He sees Allen Robinson on a deep cross coming, coming across and... Like I said, I'll give, uh, you know, I guess you want to call it credit, you want to call it blame, whatever, the fields. Not a great throw from the rookie, but uh, also it, it also is another one of those moments, and I talked about it last night, not on the same page with Justin Fields, Allen Robinson in, in this case. And if he keeps his feet, he can make a play on the ball. Now, whether it's just to play defense and prevent the defender from coming down with the football or to actually make the catch. It wasn't a great catch in the fact that it looked like Robinson was wanting to go more towards the sideline and field threw it back towards the middle of the field. So Robinson had to stop and kind of come back for it. But if he keeps his feet, he can make the play. That's the point. And this was something that kind of plagued the Bears yesterday. If they weren't dropping the ball, they were falling down. Uh, yesterday, so it's like two of the three interceptions that 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 Fields threw were, uh, in essence, because of his receivers, Robinson not being able to make the play on the ball, falling down, uh, and then the other one from Darnell Mooney, the ball went right off of his hands and into the air and into a, a defender's hands. The third one that was on Fields, short short changing the ball, uh, he underthrew the pass to to Robinson, but. But, I mean, it was, an, it was one of those moments where he was being told by his coaches in his headset, 12 guys on the field, snap it. There weren't 12 guys on the field, or they got off the field way in advance of them snapping uh, the football. So he just should have ran the, you know, conducted the pre-snap as normal as opposed to rushing it uh, and everything. But, uh, you know, it, it was ugly from the, from the start. Uh, we were getting banged up and, and beat up from the – uh, beginning with the sacks, I th- I think that they only got to fields maybe five times in this game, and I don't know if we're actually count if they count the ones that became because Fields fumbled the ball three times as well, getting hit from behind or getting his arm brushed uh, by defenders and whatnot. I don't know if what you call those would you just call them forced fumbles or are they sacks as well? I'm not sure. I wasn't. I don't. I'm not going to look at the stats. It's it's been painful enough already. But uh, you know, it was just 
one domino falling after another, and next thing you know, it's 21 to nothing. It's, you know, like we had our doubts about our chances in this game to begin with, and then here come the world champs and absolutely stomp those, uh, stomp those hopes out almost immediately with the, the barrage in the first quarter. And it's, you know, Tom Brady treating the Bears like the folly that they are and just going out there, uh, compl- you know, completion here, run here, first down there, Mike Evans, boom, touchdown. Oh, here's Mike God- or, um, Godwin, boom, touchdown. Uh, you know, fourteen nothing, twenty-one nothing. It's yeah. And then the second quarter wasn't uh, any better. Uh, but you'll you'll see you'll uh, uh, here in the second quarter knee-jerk reaction. You'll hear of the of what the halftime score uh, reminded me of uh, going into the half. Knee-jerk reaction. Second quarter. Bears and Buccaneers. And um, if you guys remember, three years ago, twenty eighteen, the Buccaneers. Came to town for a week four matchup. We were both two and one going into that game. And uh, Mitchell Trubisky threw for five touchdowns and uh, a gang of yards, 300-something yards. We won the game 48-10. to The score at halftime was 35-3. to That is the score we are looking at right now. 35-3 to in favor of the Buccaneers. So we've slowed the bleeding a little bit, but it's pretty much just been as just as... Uh, disastrous to watch we stopped turning the ball over but uh you know it's uh we gave up two touchdowns late in the quarter uh it seemed like we'd kind of got a handle on Brady in the offense for a minute there but then uh once again there towards the end the, the dam kind of broke and um we had one decent offensive drive that came up short in the red zone so we had to settle for a field goal the lone bright spot in the entire football game for the Bears is Khalil Herbert. We are going up against the number one rush defense in the NFL, and I think the last run that he had just at the end in the last nine seconds there, I think put him at or over 90 yards for the half. So he's carried the ball 13, 14 times for 90 yards in the first half, so he's well on his way to break 100 yards. Uh, unless we completely abandon the run in the second half. And I don't know why we would. It's 35-3. to We're not winning this football game. Let's just run the ball, get the clock moving, and get back home to play San Francisco next week. Let's just get this one over with. Um, one good thing that did happen, um, Latavius Simmons was our starting right tackle uh, in the game. Uh, for Elijah Wilkinson, who went, uh, who was put on the COVID list, I guess, at the last minute, so Simmons was a last-minute starter. He was god-awful uh, in the first quarter and a half. Alex Bars replaces him at right tackle, and in the first two plays that Alex Bars is out there, Khalil Herbert runs for like 16 yards, and then we complete a pass to Mooney for like 14 or something like that. So can't really argue uh, with the results that we saw there. So I don't know. Like I said, it's 35-3 to at the half. We'll uh, see how the rest of this goes, but... Uh, you know, it's an unmitigated disaster. We just want to get this one over quick so we can move on and get ready for week eight. Came like this, all you want to do is get this one over with and move on uh, to the next. Move on to a game where we'll actually, well, we have a better chance to be competitive. We never really had a shot uh, in this one. Things didn't look good coming into it. And then, uh, you know, from the outset, from the opening drive, 
Second play of the game, you know, they get to Fields. Third play, they get to him again. Uh, we punt. They nearly run it back. Three plays later, they're in the end zone. It's like, okay, well, that's how this is going to go. <laughs> so let's just get this over with, you know. And then you got Brady breaking records, 600 touchdown pass, and uh, all that. All that happened in the first quarter. And then in the second quarter, like I said, we kind of held them short or held them at bay uh, for the majority of the quarter. And then they scored too late. Uh, touchdowns uh, on us to make it 35 to three. And it did kind of remind me of that day back in 2018, the Mitch Trubisky epiphany where this was, we we all thought, okay, this is the game that opens the floodgates and we have an offense now. And, you know, you know, Trubisky was absolutely untouchable in that game uh, against the Buccaneers. We threw five touchdowns in the first half, uh, we're up 35-3. to three. Uh, Our defense is absolutely shutting down this offense that has been averaging 40 points a game for the first three games uh, of the season. We look like a dynamite team uh, right now. Our quarterback just r- discovered how to play football in the NFL, and he is carving this defense to pieces. Um, isn't this just the most amazing thing uh, we've ever seen? Uh, we he gets a six touchdown pass in the second half. We win forty eight to ten, and we look like world beaters. And uh, we had the script flipped on us last night, where you know Brady, the longtime goat of all quarterbacks, comes in and throws four touchdown passes in the first half, and is up thirty five to three at halftime at home, and all that kind of stuff. So, but as I stated before, the lone bright spot in the game in the first half and throughout the game period was Khalil Herbert. Um, unfortunately, uh, we did have to abandon the run in the second half, so he didn't get as many opportunities. I think he had 12 or 13 carries for about for upwards of 90 yards. Because like, I think that, that run put him near or at 90 yards going into the halftime. He finished with 18 carries for 100 yards. So he only got to carry the ball maybe five or six times in the, in the second half, and um obviously did not get uh, a decent amount of results to uh he only got 10 yards rushing on those five carries in the second half to get about 90 to get to to get to an even 100 yards uh on the day but he was still the best player we had on the field uh in the game uh on Sunday uh Lechavius Simmons uh, I was hard on him uh yesterday uh I did do a little of uh a little bit of research to find out that uh, the thing with Elijah Wilkerson literally, literally happened Sunday morning. Like he found out Sunday morning that, uh, that he wasn't going to play. So all week long, Wilkinson was our starting right tackle. And, and Helen, probably into breakfast on Sunday morning, he was our starting right tackle. And then, oh, yeah, by the way, you tested positive for COVID, so you're out. And, uh, yeah, so uh, Lechavius, you're in. And the real question becomes... Uh, why didn't why wasn't Alex Bars the starter from the beginning? So maybe it's because Bars has been more of an interior guy. Like when when we finally got our offensive line configuration figured out for the last six seven weeks of the season last year, Alex Bars was a guard um, filling in for James Daniels, who had been injured earlier in the season, or actually filling in for uh, the disastrous Rashad Coward. Ugh. And um, you know he. Uh, and he played well on the interior. We had some really good games running the football. Alex Bars was a part of that, um, so maybe that's why he wasn't first off the, uh, you know, the first reserve after uh, Wilkinson. Because uh, technically, we're on our 
fourth right tackle at this point, uh, depending on when we can get Wilkinson back. I don't know what his vaccination status is, so I don't know if it's like Damian Williams where he's out for 10 days, which means he's already out for the 49er game and uh, and everything. We might get him back for Pittsburgh uh, the following week or or whatever, but uh, you know, looks like Alex Barr should probably be the guy uh, going into it uh, if that is the case, but Anyway, he was a problem that was corrected. It did not solve the problem, but it certainly had an immediate effect because the first two plays, Alex Bars is in the game at right tackle. Nice, uh, you know, 10-plus yard run from uh, Herbert and a 10-plus yard pass to um, Darnell Mooney where they weren't breathing down Justin Fields' neck. And like, okay, we might be able to do a little something. Uh, on offense it's not going to be pretty we're already down 28 to 3 or 28 to nothing or whatever it was so yeah we'll we'll see we'll figure it out from here but uh yeah so yeah i mean the seeing the 35 to 3 score and it being the buccaneers it reminded me of that awesome day that we all enjoyed thoroughly and uh now we're watching it come back on us uh as brady rips for four touchdowns and they're up 35 to 3 at halftime their defense is suffocating us and uh and all that kind of stuff so yeah it wasn't fun to be on the other end of one of those beatings and uh you know like i said i I still contend it was a much it's much worse than uh the cleveland game because at least in the cleveland game going into the fourth quarter despite it all we still had a shot we were one play away from being back in this thing so uh with this one we never had a shot and it was embarrassing from beginning to end flat out embarrassing to watch this so uh, anyway, we go into the uh, second half. Uh, you'll see, <laughs> you'll hear the disinterested tone in my voice as I'm literally counting the seconds for this game to uh, get over with. And, uh, you know, just like I said, from the first quarter, I was talking about week eight against the 49ers because I knew that we weren't going to come close in this one. And the third quarter knee-jerk reaction was no different. <laughs> third quarter knee-jerk reaction, Bears and Bucks. And uh, thankfully, the family and I sat down to dinner at halftime, so we missed half of the third quarter. Um, didn't miss anything, though, because it was a scoreless uh, quarter. I came back in just as uh, Darno Mooney was dropping a pass that ended up being Justin Fields' second interception of the day. Uh, the Bucks drove that all the way down to the one-yard line where the Bears' defense showed up at the goal line and uh, held the uh, Buccaneers uh, from scoring from a yard out for two or three plays at least. But the, the fourth-and-goal play at the very end was very impressive. Ronald Jones tried to do a Walter Payton dive over the top and was met by uh, Houston Carson and stopped short. And uh, we just barely avoided uh, getting... Uh, Khalil Herbert uh, sacked in the end zone for a safety. So um, we're at the one-yard line. We only have 99 yards and six touchdowns to score to take the lead uh, in this game as it sits 35-3 to going into the fourth quarter. So uh, I would actually be in support of treating this like a preseason game for the rest of it to just clear the benches, get Justin Fields out of there before he gets killed, and um, clear the benches on defense. Don't let uh, Mac or, well, I was going to say Quinn, but Mac or Goldman or uh, Roquan get them all out of there so they can be as healthy as they possibly can be for a game we might actually have a shot in next week against the 49ers. We had beef stew for dinner, by the way. It was pretty good. That was uh, really good, actually. 
Um, we're putting the leftovers in the freezer so I can take it home when I go back <laughs> at the end of the week. But um, yeah, we, we weren't missing anything. It was 35 to three at halftime. If we came back and found out it was 70 to three, nobody would have been surprised. Um, uh, I was the first one back from the table. And like I said, there were seven minutes, 40 seconds to go. And the first play that I saw was the throw that went off of Darna Mooney's hands into the defender's arms for another interception. And then, you know, they drove the ball uh, back down the field and got stuffed at the goal line. And then I said, uh, Kelly Herbert getting sacked for a safety uh, tackled in the end zone. Cause we ran the ball from the one yard line. And I know that's, that's a common thing to kind of just, you know, like run one up the gut, get one, get, gain a couple of yards and see if we can get some room to maneuver uh, since our our literal heels are on the end zone on the goal line uh, right now, but that was the <laughs> and I know we just don't really have any options with the way the offensive line uh, was playing or, or the way that the Bucks were getting after us uh, kind of thing. Throwing the ball wasn't a much better option, but at least with the with throwing the ball, you can do a quick strike thing uh, and everything. I don't know. There, it was like a no-win situation on what play to call from the one from your own one-yard line against the defense that's literally teeing off on you. So uh, it's just it's like I, I didn't in that moment. I just had a bad feeling about us running the football, and it almost came to fruition. I, I believe the first person to get hands on Herbert was in the end zone. He was able to get out of the end zone uh, back to the one-yard line, and that was like literally the last play uh, of the quarter. But uh, you'll notice the theme. Uh, I've mentioned the 49ers for the third time in the three three knee-jerk reactions uh, as I have uh, had written this game off to to just be like, okay, I'm just going to pretend and move through this one uh, and and so we can get on to uh, week eight. So, uh, yeah. So we better do well because I've been looking forward to week eight since the first quarter of week seven. Okay, so we need to play well in this football game to justify my my desire for us to get this game over with instead of like, okay, guys, let's get back into it. We still got three quarters left to go. We can still win this thing. And I was like, nah, man, this is over with. Let's just get ready for the 49ers. So we need to play well against the 49ers. So, uh, you know, I can... I don't look bad for for giving up on the game so early uh, in the first quarter. But, um, you know, it it wasn't a – I mean, like I said, I missed half the quarter, and yet I missed nothing at the same uh, time. You know, I I missed the defense not allowing the Buccaneers to score for the first half of the the quarter, and that was about it. So they they stopped the bleeding – uh, they only allowed a field goal for this for the entire second half. Hip hip hooray! But uh, you forget about the, f- and that was like something that Nagy was like excited about, or that's what he looked at as a positive in the game was that we only gave up three points in the second half. Well, that would have been meaningful had we not given up thirty five in the first half. So it doesn't really matter at that point. They didn't really need to try to score too many points in the second half. They were merely going through the motions in the second half. So uh, didn't really pull anything off. You know, I'm sure that, you know, Bruce Arians isn't a, isn't a son of a bitch. I'm sure that he took his foot off the gas in the second quarter. If, if the Buccaneers, with the way they played in the first quarter, if they really wanted to, they could have racked a few more touchdowns. Uh, but thankfully, this isn't college football, and we don't have uh, polls and, you know, things like that to worry about in the popularity contest of rankings uh, that they have in college football. 
wins and losses is what matters in the NFL, and they had that one in hand, so they didn't need to pile on uh, to us. So, anyway, fourth quarter knee-jerk reactions. Let's just go ahead and get this one uh, over with, and uh, yeah, let's uh, close the book on this thing. What do you say? <laughs> knee-jerk reaction, fourth quarter, Bears and Bucks. 38-3, the final score. So, uh, yeah, it's over with and uh, managed not to turn the ball over there in the fourth quarter. And Or did we? No, we did. We did turn it over. Uh, Justin Fields threw a deep ball to um, Robinson. He overthrew Robinson just a little bit. Or actually, he underthrew him. Robinson was open. Um, but he underthrew him a little bit. It got picked off, and then Robinson just kind of sat there and watched the guy uh, pick it off. He didn't really make an effort to play defense on the play. So, granted, that one's more on Fields than on Robinson. Fields uh, threw it short, but, uh, you know, nonetheless, the effort given by Robinson on that play was unacceptable. But. None, nonetheless, 38-3, this one's finally over with. We move on to next week against the 49ers. Hopefully we can show up for that one, make an effort of it. Uh, I'm interested to see how the next 24 hours go. This was not an ideal effort against the world champs. And, uh, you know, like it's all over Twitter, don't be surprised. You know, Nagy's, I mean, there is an actual chant in the stadium to fire Nagy. Fire Nagy was being said a couple of times. Uh, during the game so I don't know it would be a miracle if it happened but I doubt that it will either way the massacre is over and we can move on to next week (laughs) so I'm batting a thousand on uh, knee-jerk reactions where in all four knee-jerk reactions I am looking forward to next week's game so bear up to Larry D for going four for four on looking forward to week eight during the week seven knee-jerk reactions so yeah, there we go. A clean sweep there. But the uh, the interception to to Allen Robinson um, in the in the fourth quarter there. Robinson was open. Uh, it, I believe it was on that drive where um, where we started the fourth quarter with our heels uh, to the on the end zone, like the first or second play back. I think it was third down, so it was more like a punt, and I guess in that regard, uh, with the result being uh, an interception. But Robinson was open. Fields did have some time to throw it. He just didn't put enough on it to uh, put it out in front of Robinson for him to come down with it. I'm very interested to see what would have, how the play would have resulted if if Robinson could have caught it, maybe even caught it in stride. Could it have been a 99-yard touchdown reception or, or at least a huge play? I mean, at the very least, it would have been a huge play to get us out of our own end zone uh, and everything. But instead, it uh, it fell short and became an interception and. You know, Buccaneers moved on from there. I think that resulted in their final field goal uh, to make it the thirty-eight to three final. But uh, Khalil Herbert did uh, was was able to get a hundred yards on his last carry there in the fourth fourth quarter, so he got his first one hundred yard effort uh, of his career. So it's unfortunate that a a milestone moment for him was uh, overshadowed by the fact that nobody else on the team showed up uh, in this one. And, um, you know, disappointing that 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 game went the way uh, that it did. Um, it was unwatchable pretty much from the uh, beginning. Uh, if, if you'd have put, uh, you know, like worst case scenario, this probably would have been it as far as, uh, you know, just being absolutely run off the field 
from the start, from the get-go. Um, you know, I think a lot of people expected the point margin between us and them to be pretty wide when things were all said and done, kind of like the 20-point loss that we suffered to the hands of the uh, Browns. I mean, that's, that's, what I th- that's what I was expecting. That's what I thought might happen that we'd be able to be competitive. I know they've said this a t- half a dozen times already, but, you know, that's how I felt. This this game would go. We'd be kind of in it and, you know, kind of frustratingly in it because a play here, a play there, we could be winning this game kind of thing. And when we go into the fourth quarter, it's close. It's not out of hand yet. And then a couple of quick touchdowns from the Buccaneers, and it goes from 13 to 10 to 27 to 10, and there's your – there's your 17 point margin and, and all that kind of stuff. It just, uh, but all of that happened. The floodgates opened immediately and we pretty much had to abandon the game plan to try to get ourselves back in it. And that went even worse than probably what the game plan was going to be uh, in the beginning. So, but Khalil Herbert was the lone bright spot. Um, he put a hundred yards on the Buccaneers for only the third time since week one of 2019, only three backs have rushed for hundred yards on the, Buccaneers. That's how good they've been at defending the run since Todd Bowles came back to Tampa Bay or since Todd Bowles came back to Bruce Arians because they were together in Arizona. But um, yeah, so oh, that was unfortunate. It really was um, tough watch. And like I said, I'm glad it's over with as I reiterated in every single knee jerk reaction this week. I can't wait for this to be over till we can move on to next week. And um you know, Nagy did not get fired today. I didn't think he would, uh, but I wouldn't have been surprised if after that performance he did. But instead, he got COVID, so he's benched for however long it takes for him to pass protocols and get himself back with the team. But uh, like I said, it would be interesting if he isn't able to get back this week and, uh, you know, he can't have any contact with the team on game day. Like, he can't remotely coach uh, or anything. We've already seen that happen a couple of times uh, this year. Like the Cardinals, I think they did it last week uh, against the um, the Browns last week. And, uh, you know, Stephane, or uh, what's his name? Kingsbury. Cliff, Cliff Kingsbury was not there. And they ended up smoking the Browns in Cleveland. That would have been nice, huh? But uh, they went out and they, you know, they squashed him and everything. And then uh, Kingsbury was back this week and they were able to win again. So that they're playing the seven and over versus six and one. The, the Cardinals against the uh, um, Bucking uh, Buccaneers, the Packers on Thursday should be that'll be the the biggest Thursday night game of the year so far. With an actual like a early playoff uh, preview. You know, this could be the NFC title game with the way the Cardinals are playing. So we'll see. Um, the Cardinals can uh, beat up on the Packers. Wouldn't that be nice to watch on national TV uh, on Thursday? But um, you know, it's uh, let's go ahead and, and, and get this one wrapped up. We'll get our sponsors in here real quick. We'll, we'll close the book on, on week number eight. Look forward or close the book on week seven and look forward uh, to week number eight. <laughs> this episode of the Bears Talk Underground is brought to you by the Spotify Green Room. Guys, Spotify Green Room is free, audio-only social media platform for sports fans. Start or join ongoing conversations, watch games together, react to the biggest news, rumors, and games. Talk with other sports fans, insiders, athletes, and executives in real time. Join in on conversations with me at Club 34-7 and have a chance to be featured on your favorite podcast. I'll be hosting rooms every week. 
uh, for Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern. Come through and talk to me live on Club 34-7. All you need to do is download the Spotify Green Room app in the iOS App Store, create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the group. Follow me at Larry D-E-E to be notified when my room goes live. And again, every Wednesday night, 7 p.m. Central, 8 o'clock Eastern, you can join me on the Spotify Green Room for Club 34-7. Come in. Let's have a conversation. Let's talk bears. Let's talk whatever you want. But in order to do that, you got to download the Spotify Green Room anywhere you get your apps. (laughs) This episode is also brought to you by Symbol. Symbol is the sports stock market that allows you to profit off your sports knowledge. There are two ways to make money on Symbol. First, every time a team you own wins, you earn a cash win payout. Second, just like the stock market, if you think a team is going to increase in value, you can buy low and sell high for a profit. Use promo code SD as in sports drink to make your first deposit risk free. That means even if you lose money or just decide the market isn't for you, Symbol will refund your initial deposit, no questions asked. <laughs> just a quick reminder, guys, no Spotify Green Room show this Wednesday. Uh, and that is because uh, the time that we've, that uh, my time slot, 8 o'clock uh, Eastern, 7 o'clock Central, uh, is the only time that my guest, uh, Oscar Aparicio, will be available uh, to me this week. And unfortunately, Spotify Green Room does not have a desktop setup so that I wouldn't be able to uh, have him on and two birds with one stone. So if I'm going to choose between doing the show and talking to my guest, I'm going to talk to my guest. So you guys can hear that conversation on Thursday when the uh, first part of our week eight preview uh, comes out. So um, so sadly, no, no uh, Spotify Green Room show this week. Just a heads up. So. So let's uh, let's talk about this. Um, you know, Nagy came in, or he didn't come in today. He he had his uh, weekly press conference or his Monday morning press conference, I think, from his vehicle because uh, he was looking down like he was holding the iPad or the phone uh, in his lap while he was zooming in, talking to the uh, press and, and talking about how he's tested positive uh, for COVID. And obviously he has been vaccinated, so he just has to clear the he has to have the two po- a negative tests in 24 hours or whatever the time frame is and be able to to come back and to rejoin the team. Um, don't know what the status is for Wilkinson. Uh, don't know what le- what we have for Robert Quinn or uh, Jimmy Graham was put on the list uh, late, as was uh, Caleb Johnson. So, yeah, we've had five guys in the last 10 days and four of them in like the last 72 hours before the football game. So hopefully we can get that cleared up and it doesn't spread throughout the team any further than it has. So we don't lose any more guys. We got to have this game. We got to have this game against the uh, 49ers. Um, we want to be eight and eight uh, or eight and eight, four and four after the end of this uh, football game with a chance to have a winning record going into the bye. So we beat the, beat the 49ers. We beat the Steelers. We'll be five and four at the break with uh, eight games left to go, and the schedule lightens up considerably in the second half of the season. It doesn't start that way when we have the Ravens coming off the off of the bye, but the Ravens have a much more generous defense than the ones that we've been facing lately, a much more generous defense than we'll be facing the next two weeks with the 49ers and the Steelers both being top 10 uh, defenses. However, there were still winnable games for us, and the Ravens will be winnable because we might actually have a chance to score some points 
in that game. And then after that, we have the Lions again. And uh, then we've got, uh, you know, we've got games against the, we got a rematch against the Packers at, at some point, uh, which the, you know, bulletin board material Rogers there with the I own you uh, nonsense, hopefully should spur us into some kind of action or, or at least we need to have our motor checked if we don't go into that game, super motivated uh, to, uh, to get after Rogers uh, and company uh, in that one. Well, we have two games with the Vikings because we haven't seen them yet. Matt Nagy, you want to talk about owning somebody? Matt Nagy owns the Vikings. He's what five and one, six and one against the the Vikings in his uh, head coaching career. Uh, five and one, so uh, five and one against the uh, the Vikings, and um, you know, I think I think five and one against the six and one. I think against the the Lions as well. It's just those pesky Packers that he has an issue with. One and six against those guys. But, um, you know, like we have a tough game. We have the Cardinals in December, but that's in December in Soldier Field. So maybe we might be able to pull off an upset there. We have the Giants and the Seahawks, both teams not playing well. So, I mean, if we can get through this at five and four, and, and I know that we want Nagy out and, and all that kind of stuff, but if we can get through this at five and four, the second half of the schedule really opens for us to be to have a shot at doing something. And then if we can't, then you absolutely know. I mean, we know now. I think we all, I think everyone would agree that we would like to see Nagy gone by the bye week at the latest. But, um, you know, even if we go in at five and four, just just cut the cord. You know, it's it's obviously it's not working out. The mediocrity uh, overall, the, the wasting, the defensive talent uh, that we have, you know, and uh, just the fact that he's some offensive guru and we're in year four of this system with the worst offense in the NFL, I think is enough. I honestly think it's enough to send this guy packing. We'll take our chances the last eight weeks of the season uh, without you and uh, move on with the future of this franchise from this point. If we make this playoffs great, then Maybe we want to keep Mike Pettin or Chris Tabor or whoever our interim head coach would be uh, to be the guy going forward. But uh, for now, we know that we don't want it to be you anymore, so we're just going to go ahead, cut the cord now, and uh, move move forward from there. And that's how I think the conversation should go after the 49ers game. Not at the 49ers. After the Pittsburgh game. You know, it's like, oh, great. Great job on doing 5-4. and four. You've got a winning record as head coach of the Chicago Bears, but uh, it's not good enough. I don't like where this team is. We're going to take the bye week to spend this time transitioning uh, out of this. And, uh, you know, I would do, honestly, I would. Even if we win these next two games and we're five and four, I'm firing Nagy after the Steelers game, regardless of the outcome, regardless of it. I'm just like, it's, we're done. We're going to take this little break in the season to, to pull off the Band-Aid and get ready to, and go forward. We're moving on to 2022 without you, so we figure now is the time to do it. So don't give don't give him a chance in the second half of the season with the quote-unquote easier schedule for him to rattle off some wins and, and have, a, uh, you know, and make the playoffs again and, and all that kind of stuff. I would really prefer that not happen because then all we're doing is inviting us to, to, to sit through this again in 2022 and waste year two of Justin Fields under Matt Nagy, who apparently doesn't have a clue on how to develop any quarterbacks. So yeah, I want him gone regardless of what the outcome is of these next two games. 
Obviously, it'd be a much easier case to make if we lose these next two games and we're three and six. We'd be on a four-game losing streak going into the bye with a fifth very likely uh, going against the Ravens after the bye week. The only thing that might be saving us there is that it's a home game uh, against the Ravens. But nonetheless, obviously, it's a much easier case to make um, if we're four and five or three and six. But even if we're five and four, I'm firing Nagy at the bye. That's it. It's over with. We're done. We're going to move on and see if, uh, you know, our interim coaching staff or our interim head coach can, uh, you know, help gap here in the second half of the season, maybe make a playoff run and then uh, we'll move forward. But, uh, you know, I, that's how anxious I would be to move on from Nagy, even with a winning record, even with a two game winning streak going into the bye. I think that we're better off without you and we're going to move forward uh, from here. You never know. It could be the boost that this team needs. Um, you know, I just, I, I don't, I don't believe in Matt Nagy anymore. I really don't. Uh, I just, I don't. I, I, I want to move on. I think every Bear fan would agree. So, anyway, guys, uh, now that we're uh, so chipper and, and happy, we're going to go ahead and close this thing out now and uh, finally close the book on week number seven. And move on to my lucky number, week number eight, against the San Francisco 49ers. It's a home game where we're 2-1 and one so far uh, this season. See if we can't get a win over the Niners to make it 3-1 uh, on our home schedule and uh, go into Pittsburgh before the bye with a 500 record with a shot to have a winning record at the break. So uh, we got two winnable games uh, coming up now that we've uh, lost both of the not so winnable games between uh, with the uh, the Packers and the Buccaneers, and uh, at least we gave the Packers a run before they you know overcame us in the fourth quarter. The Buccaneers just uh, shut that shit down almost immediately <laughs> in the first quarter uh, to put that one out of reach from the jump. So. Anyway, guys, that is going to do it for the Week 7 review episode of the Bears Talk Underground. Come on back Thursday when our friend Oscar Aparicio from the Better Rivals podcast for the 49ers will be joining us to help us preview this game between our two teams, both of us coming off of a loss, both of us probably not as good as we'd hope and maybe not so much win-loss, especially for us. I think we're exactly where we thought we might be at this time of the season record-wise with Dalton, with Fields, whoever. I think we all agree that maybe three and four was probably a, a realistic possibility looking at the schedule. So record-wise, I think we're right where we expect it to be at this point. It's just the fact that we've looked so incompetent uh, and we feel lucky to be three and four as opposed to a team that uh, – you know, would be ha- would be happy to have the wins that we have, and blah 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 blah. So, um, you know, that was the real question going into the into the season was now that the 49ers were healthy, they survived the 2020 season where they were plagued with injuries and had a thousand quarterbacks play for them and all that kind of stuff. Now that that's all done and everybody's back healthy, would they be the dominant team that they were in 2019 and go back to the Super Bowl? Or will it be more of the same in 2020? And right now they look more like the 2020 team than the 2019 team that went 13-3 and and ran right through the NFC to make it to the Super Bowl two years ago. So we'll talk to Oscar about that and why the 49ers are in the spot that they're in now and where he expects them to go for the rest of the season. So come back on Thursday for that. And until then, my name is Larry D. And this has been the Bears Talk Underground.
it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Professional welder Shayna Ford used VR training developed by ForgeFX to hone her skills as a welder. The more time that you spend practicing it, that's what separates a good welder from a great welder. VR training can help students like Shayna repeatedly practice specific skills. Virtual reality definitely helps because the more muscle memory that you have, the smoother your weld is. Explore more stories like Shayna's at meta.com slash metaverseimpact. VR training platforms like the one developed by Fundamental VR and Orbis International are helping surgeons train over and over before operating on real patients. As you practice each skill, the muscle memory starts to develop. Learn more at meta.com slash metaverse impact. As you write your life story, you're far from finished. Are you looking to close the book on your job? Maybe turn a page in your career. Be continued at the Georgetown University School of Continuing Studies. Our professional master's degrees and certificates are designed to meet you where you are and take you where you want to go. At Georgetown SCS, the learning never stops, and neither do you. Write your next chapter. Be continued at scs.georgetown.edu slash podcast. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on Auto Trader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on Auto Trader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on Auto Trader. Just you wait. Auto Trader.